0: today I want to conclude or maybe continue on what we've been talking about, the transgenerational God or the transgenerational covenant if you want to call it or the transgenerational vision, whichever way. We've seen for the last two days how God works in a transgenerational way and please allow me not to go back to everything that we said. I want to pick up today on showing you how the Bible as such is written in a transgenerational language. Even the principles there. And I want to show to us all that somehow we seem not to think transgenerationally when we do things. We think so much about ourselves as individuals and yet in God's eyes we are so interconnected that what one generation does affects the next generation and the next generation. Yesterday, I showed you how in Genesis 12, Genesis 17, when God gave the promise to Abram, it's quite clear what God promised Abram. There are certain aspects of the promise that would come to pass in his lifetime. But there's a lot more in that promise, including the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ them coming into the land of Canaan, that God knew very well when he spoke to Abram that he would never live to see the fulfillment of that promise. And that God in his working, when he talks to you, he's expecting that the vision that he gives you is transgenerational in nature. And then we read in Hebrews 11, where it talks about the heroes and heroines of faith, And as it gets down to verse 39, it says, God having, these men and women having received the promise, however, there are certain things that didn't come to pass in their lives. These men and women having pleased God, it says they didn't receive the promise. There are certain things that they didn't receive, even if they lived well, they never lived to see the fulfillment. then the next verse tells us, and and I'm paraphrasing that God did that on purpose so that they without us should not be complete. So in other words, God can start one thing with one generation that he is not willing to finish with that generation, but he will finish with the next generation. So it becomes important for us to be connected. One generation connecting to the next generation. I'm going to show you as we close in the message today how it just seems like the manifestation of what God promises seems to land on the third generation. Seems like that. Doesn't happen like that always. But there seems to be some pattern in the Bible. Further proving how important it is for us to be multigenerational in our thinking. That's a very important thing. But let's start first of all by showing you the multigenerational principles that we find in the Bible. How God takes a transgenerational approach. How we are interconnected as generations. Are you ready? Ready? Ah, you are not ready. Tell your neighbor, you sound like you are not ready. Let me try you again. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm still not convinced. Look at your neighbor and say, even if he tries you the second time, you are not ready. Let me ask you again for the third time, and this is final. Are you ready? Yeah. That, that sounds like it. That sounds like it. I want to show you a certain pattern that is there in the Bible. And, and remember, when you read the Bible, there are certain things that or care often. And if you study well, you'll know that there are certain patterns. You know, it's important for us to study the patterns in the Bible so that we align ourselves with what's happening and we can be open to that truth. Let me show you the examples I'm talking about. Number one, A, let me say A or number one, whatever number you want to put, A or number one. When it comes to blessings, blessings are transgenerational. And that includes a vision, a call, even faith and prosperity. These are cited in the Bible as extending out to future generations. That's what God said to Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 17, and I'm going to read you a number of verses tonight. He says, I will indeed bless you and I will multiply your children as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your children, your descendants, Shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your descendants shall all nations of the earth bless themselves because you have obeyed my voice. So that says to Abram, you know, the blessing I'm blessing you with is going to pass on to your children. So it, it's important for us, Bazalana, to think like that because I think one of the mistakes we've done, particularly Runa, our kind of churches, the charismatic churches, I think in our teaching, we have become so individualistic that we don't realize how the Bible uses the term as we. Jesus, when Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say pray my father. He said pray our father, which art in heaven. God is a God of multiple generations. Genesis 28 verse 3 and 4 says, God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, talking to Abraham, and multiply you that you might become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessings of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. So you know, when the blessing falls on you, it's going to pass on to your children. Now I'm going to say some things that are very hard tonight. All right. Because... One of the things I'm noticing is that sometimes children don't realize that even though they are not obedient and they're not living for God, they think they're getting away with it because they notice that their actions seem not to be producing bad results. What they don't realize is that they are walking under the grace of their parents. And that's why God has... Prote- now, it won't go on forever. It won't go on forever. It won't go on forever. But the many times when we walk under the blessings, many of us here, if we were to tell the truth, our parents really tried their best. They may not have known the Bible to the extent that you know it. Okay, they may not have really come into this kind of setup. But they did follow God. They did pray. I mean, we grew up in a time when People went to church. You know, it's not like today. You know, in our time, everybody go, most people went to church. Yeah, we went to church. I, I went to Dutch Reformed Church. We went in my home on Sunday. The whole family went to church. That was usual. That was usual. And we, we had the same problems that are there in the world today. All kinds of problems, but our parents put God first. They may not have had all the teachings we have today. They may have tried it in their own way, but at least they tried. And look at us. How blessed we are. Yeah. Yeah. Many times, Bazalana, I think about my parents. Many times. Every time I stand here, I think about them. I know my mom, she used to sit right here. My mother. After she passed on, I couldn't look in this section. But I remember the sacrifices of my mom and my dad. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. My father at home, we used to have prayer in the evenings at home. We'd pray as a family. My father played a leading role as an example at home of being a person who was committed to serving his pastor. Served in the Dutch Reformed Church. Faithful. He was a faithful elder, my dad. And they used to preach in turn sometimes. The elders would be featured to, to preach. On the, on, the, on, the, on the eve of him preaching, the Saturday, when if he's preaching on Sunday, that Saturday, the whole Saturday, he would literally sit by himself in the dining room in the afternoon, listening to gospel music and preparing. I realize I do that. I only realized the other day is a how. But you know, he, he, he lived right. Thank God he, he never drank, he didn't smoke, he didn't swear, he didn't beat up my mom, he didn't womanize. Yeah. I mean, the man did well. I'm telling you. Good teacher. I'm telling you. Now, watch, Bazalan. Watch. He didn't, he didn't have a large church. I'm already going ahead of myself. He planted the seeds that start. Every time I stand here, I think about him. When I went to Bible school, he took the money that he had saved for the family and paid for my tuition. My dad paid for me. Because Colomb paid for me to go to Bible school in 1980, paid for me. Yes. 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 Sometimes I look around and I say there's not even one name of my dad on anything here. Honestly, there should be. I should honor him. Yes, I want the story to be told. Yeah, in the family my bishop, well, ken the Canadian Anglican Church, Mor Morog Vilimo. Yeah, his dad was very strict. Her dad was very strict. Kilamati sawa opola wife. Hey! skela months camera ng lona kaya ituluna You camera people kwa lamsa diya kali one months skela He's dead when I went. You know, I wanted to marry the lady, you know. I was good. When I went, when he saw me, he says, What do you want? Are you getting married? I mean, I mean how can I tell him I'm getting married? I must, I must send my parents. So I didn't know what to say. But he was a strict man. Instilled values. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Leading. You may not even know much about our parents. But see, they are blessing. Has yeah. extended to us. Yeah. Blessings. But but secondly, number two, curses as well. And punishments. Yeah. Curses and punishments are likewise not limited only to those who have earned them. And for that reason, life may seem not to be fair. In 1 Samuel 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, I tell him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. That's Eli. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall be, shall be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. So Eli didn't do what was right. Not only did it fall upon him, but it affected his children. Yeah Yeah. So you see, I was talking with one of our pastors, and we were talking about some area somewhere in China, and they were telling me in this area that you can see the children there have stunted growth. Stunted growth. All the kids there, because of the and the fetal alcohol syndrome. Because in that area, one we were. Now imagine those kids who have stunted growth, right? They didn't drink. They, they didn't drink. They didn't drink. And I, I must be honest, and I'm very worried about the way our young people are drinking. The alcohol that's been consumed. I'm, I'm just thinking. It's just a matter of years, Barcelona. We're going to see a lot of tainted kids. Yeah. Years ago, this is years ago, there was an area I went to, and I won't mention it because, I, you know, people were not drinking as much muslim at that time. At least not in the area where I grew up. They used to drink, but not that state. But I went to this particular area. You know, it's, our family is in this area, somewhere in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, because I don't want you to think I'm talking bad about areas. I want to show you the principle. It was a funeral and our relative had passed on. And then time came, we must close the coffin. I mean, close the grave. The coffin goes into the grave, we have to close the grave. I couldn't believe what I saw. The guys there didn't have strength and stamina. Two finished, I mean, no strength, nothing. I couldn't believe what I saw. Now, imagine, I'm a family member. I'm I'm not supposed to be closing the grave to that extent. It was so bad, but I'm being honest with you. My my mom, I don't know if if my sisters were with me. If my mom was here, she'd tell you. She felt so sorry for me. It was so bad that day, I just took my jacket off, took my tie off, and I had to close the grave by myself. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The guys... The guys were so weak, so physically weak. Huh? Because of Madila. They drank. These guys drank. I mean they're physically weak. Now you can imagine they are children. Think about it. Think about what you expose. What about people who smoke? You see people driving with kids in the back, puffing away child in the back. So this child, their lungs are being affected. They are not smoking. They are inhaling secondary smoke. But even if it's secondary, it still affects you. We don't think about the transgenerational effects of things. Look at your neighbor and say, it's over tonight. You are not saying many amens like yesterday. (laughs) Number three. Covenant. 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 Is transgenerational. David and Jonathan made a covenant in 1 Samuel 23 18. And then later on in 2nd Samuel 9, verse 6 and 7, David comes through. It says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and did obeisance. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, your servant. David said to him, do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Now watch, Bazalan. See, (laughs) this is going to be a very difficult one. (sighs) If you are in a home that that is following God and, and, and living right. I just see some of our children having a fascination with things that are not what they see at home. It's like they want to go and experiment. You know, at home, people don't do certain things, so they're going to do it. Now, here's where the problem is with that. I mean, number seven, this is important if you introduce into your family line things that are not the right things, particularly if you're in a home that's trying to do what's right, do you know what you're doing? Do, do, you, do you understand when you, when you start behaviors that are not the right behaviors that you've been raised with? Right? You we are raised in a home, they pray, they go to church, they do this, they serve God. You feel, no, I'm missing out. Because you know, that's why the devil lies to young people about that. You, th- you think you're missing out. You think it's, it's better out there to go into these wild things because at home, and, and young people complain, I didn't have a choice, I just found myself in church. You should be grateful. Yeah. Uh, Because I know people who grew up on the other side, in a home where everybody's fighting, everybody's drinking, everybody's smoking, everybody's having children out of wedlock, everybody's cursing. It's just a home where there's no order. Everybody comes in and goes, they never stay as a family, they never pray, they never talk together, they never talk nicely to each other. It's just pandemonium. There's homes like that. Everybody just gives into their desires and just does whatever. Just let's just just live it up. You want a home like that? You want an environment like that everybody, everybody, everybody smokes, everybody drinks, everybody swears, everybody doesn't care, everybody sleeps around with everybody. Everybody just do just just do whatever. When there's food, whoever is there, when they find the food, they eat and finish. They don't even think about anybody. They just finish. They don't care. Everybody comes pandela. There's no order in that home. Hmm? The father goes around He's drunk the whole day He never cares He never brings anything May tries to At least build a home By herself She has to work herself To death Nobody ever says thank you Nobody ever says We recognize Do you want, do you want a background like that? You want a background where you don't know who your father is? You, you, you grew up without a father because your father gave birth to you. They, 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 they made your mom pregnant, they walked away from you. You grow up, go to school, you're never dead. You don't know who he is, you don't know. You, don't know, you want to do the same? Do you, want to, do you really want that? Do you, do you know what it takes to change that kind of, 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 of family? Do you know that how, how, how much you're going to have to work hard? To detox a family when it has those things. Now, are you going to bring in something foreign? You, you think in the name of fun, you must you must try and experiment and bring that in. You're going to experiment with alcohol. You're going to experiment with drugs. You're going to experiment with. You're going to. Do you know what? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what you're doing? So with covenants, God told people. When you have a covenant with me, let your children have the same covenant, they mustn't allow anything else. You don't allow anything else. Look at your neighbor and say, even if you're clapping, I can see (laughs) who is be careful not to allow Satan to entice you to introduce into your family line strange covenants. So God even talked to his people, says, don't serve other gods. Amen. See, the problem with, with Solomon, when he married many wives, and then the Bible says then they, they took his heart away from his God. In an attempt to appease them, he started saving other gods. He started bringing things that you never were raised with. Things that never worked for you. Huh. Okay, I'll to you more. <laughs> when it comes to obedience and the blessing of honoring, it becomes multi-generational. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. Amen. So, in other words, how I honor my parents is going to determine the outcome of my life. That is why the New Testament takes a concern for young and old in the Lord and even faith generations are addressed. God's goal is for honor to be there in the home, the parents to treat the children well and the children to to respond well to the parents because what happens in that home affects not only that person but the coming generations. The same thing happens in a church. That's why we must handle things well in the church, the pastor must be. Are you there? The pastor must treat. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Treat young women as your sisters, treat elderly women as your mothers, treat elders as your fathers. Show honor, respect, have boundaries, young minister, young pastor. There are certain boundaries that you don't cross. Yeah. Because you bring in that kind of behavior in the church, it's going to be very hard to get rid of. Gonna go through generations. Listen how it reads. First Timothy 1:2. Paul writes to Timothy, says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God your Father. Then he writes to him in 2 Timothy 2.1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Wow. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, For to you, how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Note, he says. Timothy, I'm reminded of your f- sincere faith, which first... Dwelled in your grandmother, Louise. And in your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure that faith dwells in you. So in the life of Timothy, you see three to four generations shown. God is very generational in his approach. He's saying the obedience your mother had to God, the faith she had... Your grandmother, your mother followed in it and you followed in it. That's how it should be. And I'm going to come back to that scripture. Number five, it's interesting that even certain practices such as tithing are transgenerational. Spiritual practices, Bazalana, affect the generations that come. In Hebrews 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, One might say that even Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of Abraham when Melchizedek met him. Levi is is a descendant of Abraham. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Levi was not born yet. When Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, the Bible says Levi who was in Abraham's loins paid tithes through Abraham. The things you do are affecting the unborn children in you. I'm telling you. This is what I'm saying. I'm so excited about us being in an atmosphere of God and an atmosphere of prayer. Oh my goodness. See, I know we only see things in the natural, but there's a lot of things that God does that affect coming generations. I think it was last year or or two years ago, you know, I I never forget this lady in our church. I just never forget this picture. And after the service, I was leaving, and so she saw me in the parking lot, and I see this car. It's an SUV. I don't remember what model it was. Beautiful SUV. You could see it's brand new. So as it goes past, it just went... Now I don't know how to say it in English. She, she. That's the Soweto part. So then the door opens and I and I see these two young, beautiful young girls and this lady. So she's a big broad smile. And she says, Fundisi, I got it. So I'm thinking what are you talking about? She says, My girls have passed metric. I think one of them had passed. The other one was working now, she had a job. The other one had qualified something like that. And the car she's driving is a new car. She had bought it not long ago. She said, you know, my husband walked away from me when these kids were very small. But even when he walked, I kept on worshiping God. (laughs) Hey! She says, God has helped me to raise these three girls. Look at it. This one's already working. This one is... And I stood there and I thought... See, this is what God can do. Come on somebody give the Lord a big hand. Yeah? So what she did goes on to blessed children. I'm praying that those children as I say Lady Clever following the mother's footsteps. Why is it that number 6? Why is it that we need to train children? Because the Bible doesn't presuppose that children will just grow up and make choices in a vacuum. And I'm very concerned about what some of these people are trying to push out there. To try and give an impression, just let the children experiment, they will learn. That's you not know what the Bible teaches. Children don't learn in a vacuum. Children are taught, we pass on these principles multi-generationally. You've got to teach Children. You can't just let nature teach them. Now, if you, if you want to teach them not to, not to mess around with water, why don't you throw them in the pool, let them drown so that they must learn to respect water. <laughs> oh, we, 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 we so contradict ourselves sometimes. When you see them go to the pool, you say, hey, sky and moon, you stop them. So this is why the Bible doesn't presuppose that children will just grow up and make their choices in a vacuum but that they should be trained and influenced by their parents and their grandparents and parents please let's not let other people lecture us let's take the responsibility to raise our kids in spite of the permissive society we are living in some of these experts k if some of them have children i'm being honest with you sometimes i ask myself the with the things they say are so theoretic doesn't work in real life. I wonder if that's how they raise their children, some of them. Or they just say that because they're just trying to be correct, politically correct and everything. Take responsibility to raise your children. Certainly, we should not be abusive in any way. Definitely, we shouldn't be. But take the responsibility to instruct your children. Look at Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 18 to 21. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be front lines between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Teach them. Even if they sit there and look bored when you are talking, just teach them. You know, sometimes children are funny. They sit there and act like they're bored. And then all of a sudden they go to their phone. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, even if they're bored, just go over here. Just ignore their boredom. You know, we, we have family prayer at home. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the kids, when you ask them, do you say anything? No, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. Don't worry about it. Hmm? You shall teach them to your children. Talk of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates that your days and... And the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. You know, I've looked at other religions, how they are very, very intentional. Really. I won't mention them by name, but I do know in one school when our kids were in lower primary school, after the normal school time, as our kids went home, The people of this religion would take all their kids in that religion, lock them up in a class for another two hours and teach them about their religion. Every day. Yeah, every day. Every day. Our kids only meet these things in church. And then they go to school where they are taught. Some of these teachers, they teach our children things that are not good. And it's worrying what some of the things that our education system is trying to bring to our kids. It's very worrying. So if you just leave it to the school to teach your children, then you are in big trouble. And you know how kids are. They will trust the teacher and believe the teacher before they believe you. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to take that responsibility because the assumption is not that people, children will just catch good things in the air. We need to be very proactive in teaching them. Now, whether they do it when they're old or not, it's another thing. But at least teach them, put that seed in them. Yeah. You know what I've learned? When things are bad, people go back to whatever they were raised with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth, some of you. You were raised in a home that prayed. You walked away from God. You did all kinds of things. And the day, Unon will you us to see. ah Let's not do that. Now, let me move now as I close, Basalana, in the next few minutes. It's quite amazing to note when we read the Bible that there seems to be a principle or a pattern in the Bible how things that, what is this, Basalana? Things that God has promised Seems to come into fruition in the third generation. Now, I'm saying it seems. I mean, I'm not saying I won't make a doctrine out of it, but it looks like it. And I want to show you just a few things in the Bible, and I won't read the scriptures, please, if you don't mind. Therefore, if, if we want to make sure that we see the outcome of things in our lives, we've got to keep God's principles and God's teachings within our lifetime at least for three generations. It's only then that the principles that have been taught become spiritually, genetically encoded into the the DNA of the generation. Now let me show you a few principles. As we said yesterday, God does promise things to people who don't ever live to see it. Let, let's start with this. In Genesis, we note how God makes a promise to Abraham. And as you realize, that promise had many sides to it. It had to do with him getting a son, him moving into the land. He didn't live to see that. Note this, Basalan. But in Abraham's case, even if God made a promise for him, he got one child with his own wife. I know he did get Ishmael. But I'm talking about the child who, whom God had promised with his own wife. So he gets one child. Only one child. Isaac comes in. With Isaac, he gets twins. Now you'll know that Isaac had the same challenge as his dad had. They couldn't conceive. But when he conceived, it was a double portion of what his dad had. Watch this, Basala. And then one of the children by Isaac was Jacob. Jacob gets 12 children. So what's happening? It looks like this promise of childbearing is, is becoming incremental. It's in the third generation where you see more of it happening. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. first generation and I'm going to talk to you first generation first generation things are difficult things are hard that's why we are starting that's why we are laying the foundation you may not see everything that you are praying for working for planting seeds for but if what you are doing stays within that generation the next generation is going to be even better now watch this God promises Abraham to get into Canaan land he lives his life passes on and then moses comes and picks up even moses at least moses who saw the land and he didn't possess it it was only in the third generation through joshua that they went in so a promise that started with abraham the one to whom it was made never lived to see it it seems to have manifested with the third generation we just read about Timothy here. Timothy, a young man. Let me go back to that scripture. Where Paul is talking about Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of the sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise. And in your mother, Eunice. And now the same faith dwells in you. Now, in Timothy's case, not only is he a believer, but he's a mfundisi now. Think about it. The grandmother probably, unaike of koke reke. We don't know the generation before maybe she was the first one to go to church i don't know maybe she was the first one I all she knew just to go to church but as she as she as she was blessed with a child she took the child eunice to church so eunice as she grew up she already grew up in church it's not like the mother eunice you, know, you don't even know when or so who. Delay. You don't even know all the right things in church. You have to try and really believe God and get your life together. But at least Eunice grows up in church. But when Eunice gets a child, this child doesn't only go to church. the brother is a preacher. I'm saying it's going to happen in your generation if you can understand what I'm talking about. So it looks like this thing is growing. So it looks like the third generation is the tipping point of our prayers. It looks like the third generation is the tipping point of our obedience to God. All the things that we do in terms of obedience to God never go to waste. Though you may not see the manifestation of those things, just know that as you as you obey God and do what is right, it looks like it, God's not gonna forget what has happened. Watch this. Quite interesting when the children of Abraham, the children of Israel rather prayed, they called to the God of three generations. They called on the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Here's the principle if the works of God and the deeds of God can stay long enough in your generation. It will engineer a spiritual genetic coding. As it stays active for at least three generations, then it becomes tattooed on the genetic coding of your family line. Here's the problem. See, we come to Christ, but then our kids don't follow Christ. So, what God wants to do through the family line can't fully happen because the pattern was broken. Yes. What God wants to happen is that it should start with you, your children, and when it gets to your grandchildren, if it stays long enough in that family line, then you begin to see certain fruits. Yes. That when you started, you didn't see it. You only did what you did as the one who started. Therefore, I want to talk to two generations. I want to talk to the first generation and I want to talk to the second and third generation as I close. By first generation, I mean if you are the first one in your home, let's talk about being a believer, who has decided to follow Christ and live right. Some of you, you may just be 12 years old. You are the only one who has started on this journey. I am talking to you. You may be the only one who's here in church today, the only one who wakes up on Sunday morning, the only one who tries to pray and read the Bible, the only one who tries to live right, and they have made a mockery out of you. They are saying all kinds of things about you. But if, I, if this may be of any encouragement, please stay on, don't give up. God is a transgenerational God. God must start with somebody. It's going to be somebody, somebody. That somebody is the somebody that I'm looking at today. Can I hear a good amen in the house? So here, what I want to appeal to you, first generation. Number one, be faithful and sincere. Paul says, when I recall the unfeigned faith that was in units, or the sincere faith, in other words, be a person of sincerity who walks in integrity. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Psalms 25, 21 says, The integrity of a righteous person shall preserve them. Walk with faithfulness and sincerity and integrity, even when the results do not seem to be aligning with how you are committed. Do what is right. I think sometimes we have taught people wrong. We've given people the idea that if you just follow God, everything will work out like that. That's not fully true. Everything will work out finally. But it may not work out in the first year or the second year or the third year or even the tenth year. We have to get to a point, Bazalana, where our commitment to God is not based on any results. We've got to trust what God said, even if we don't see. Oh, come on now. The manifestation of that. We mustn't serve God for the sake of blessings. We mustn't serve God for the sake of the benefits. We serve God because God is God and God is not a man to lie. What he said is true. We will serve God because it's the right thing to do. Oh, somebody said you lost your car even if you're serving God. It's okay. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, you were retrenched even if you are praying and tithing. I'll still keep on praying. I'll still keep on tithing because it is the right thing to do. Yeah, look what has happened in your family even if you're following God. I will still follow God anyhow because it's the right thing to do. Job was a man who was righteous. He was a man who lived for God. He was a man who was doing what is right. He had a report from God when God said to the devil, Have you seen Job? There is no one like him. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is steadfast. He is walking rightfully before me. He is walking upright before me. That was the testimony of heaven. But in spite of the testimony from heaven, Job lost all his family. He lost all his flock. He lost his health. He lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his peace. He lost all his children. And I like Job because when he lost everything, he didn't go back and say, this God doesn't know anything about me. He stood up and said, I came naked into this world. Even if I lose everything, I didn't bring anything into this world. Naked came I into this world and naked shall I return. Can I hear amen some? Body. And finally it comes to the point that he says, you know what? I know that my Redeemer liveth. I may not understand, but my Redeemer liveth. Yeah. Serve God because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Even if you, you don't get a house, even if you don't get a job, even if you don't pass your exams, even if you don't get a car, serve God anyhow. Come on now. Even if your body is battered by sickness and disease, serve God anyhow. Are you there, Bazalana? Serve God. Even if you lose everything, serve God anyhow. Stay faithful to the cause. You know why? Because you are planting a seed. (laughs) And the seed of God's word is incorruptible seed. Are you there, Basalana? The things that we do come as a memorial. When Cornelius, every day, this man who was not a Jew, this man who was not a who didn't know anything about God, the Bible says every day he used to do good works, he used to do give alms, and he used to offer prayers before God. The Bible says he did it continually. One day, God bumps an angel and says, Go down to Cornelius' house because what he has done has come as a memorial before me. And the angel comes to Cornelius and says, Cornelius, I've been sent from God because the things that you have done have come as a memorial before God I'm here to declare what you are doing for God will come up as a memorial one day oh yes When you read the book of Revelations, we see a picture of the angels coming before God, carrying some containers and bringing them before God. And the Bible says these containers were filled with something. They came up as an aroma and a question was asked, what is that? He said, these are the prayers of the saints that come up before the nostrils of God as a memorial. Listen, your prayers didn't fall to the ground. You may not have seen a manifestation, but your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. Somebody shout, hallelujah in the house yeah be faithful even if oh, wanna go higher, be faithful be faithful even if your heart is torn be faithful be faithful even if you are confused be faithful come to church with that bible under your armpit even if you are confused when you come to church raise your hands even if your heart is breaking be faithful to God be faithful, be faithful, be faithful, because some of the results can only probably might happen after your lifetime, when you're no longer here. You know, I was thinking this morning about Jewel Austin, John Austin. Who's, who's reading now? Is it Jewel? Is it John? It's Jewel. I don't know how many of you know that Jewel Austin served under his dad, but he was not interested in the ministry at all. You know, In fact, he was not serious. It's hard to believe that. We know because, you know, John Austin, his dad, used to relate very closely with Pastor Ray McCauley. So we used to get the story behind the story. One day, John Austin, when he saw that he's passing, on his, on his bed, he wasn't dying yet, said to his son, son, will you please... You know, can you assist in them? He said, No, I'm not interested. And then just before he passed, he called his son and said, Look, look, I, I, I'm not going to live long. I'm just going to ask you, just like one fell. can you at least this Sunday just do the service? Just, just preach. Reluctantly, he went and preached. When he stood there, in his own words, Joel said, Something happened to me. He said, I don't know what. Not something. <laughs> and the rest is history when I, when, I, when, I, when I listen to him preaching I wonder and I say you know what the faithfulness of the first generation <laughs> oh come on somebody give the Lord your hand number two sacrifice for God's ideals Sacrifice for God's ideals. Matthew 16, 24 and Matthew 19, 29. I'm not going to read that. Sacrifice for God's ideals. We don't talk much about sacrifice these days. I found out when it comes to the things of God, you need to sacrifice. You need to do it even if you don't feel like it. Even if you're not reaping the fruit of it. You need to do it even if it costs you something. You need to do it even if you feel you've spent all there is, but there's nothing in return. Sacrifice. I found out anything in life that's of any substance is built through great sacrifice. Learn to sacrifice. Number three, hold on. Hold on. Hold on to your belief. Hold on to the principles of God's word. Hebrews 11 talks about these heroes and heroines of faith, how they held on. Hold on. Why? Because when you hold on, there's a generation on the other side whose destiny hangs on you holding on. If you hold on and do what you should do, even though things may not have turned out that well for you, but the generation that follows will reap the fruit of it. Number four, understand also why you are attacked this way i want i want to explain this person this is important let me explain this remember probably in your family there was somebody who tried to do what you're doing you know i'm so glad that i was told this by my dad and my mom that in, in our family, okay, let me talk about that because I was going to come to that. You know, in, in different families, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be stereotyped about this, but there seems to be a certain pattern wherein people of a certain family seem to move towards a certain type of career or certain kinds of careers. It's, it's not... Now, we don't make a doctrine out of it, but there, there seems to be a tendency in families, Kriya family, they are business people. Many of them, they are just into business. It's not everybody, but uh, 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 or are musicians. I mean, the Dube family, you know, Bishop Benjamin Dube. I mean, it, it, it goes back. But, but even preachers is the same. There's, in fact, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, you do know, and I'm not saying we must make a doctrine out of it, but the priesthood came out of the lineage of Aaron. It, it, it goes along family lines. Um, we don't say exclusively, but it does happen. So in our family, we have a, we have a history of preachers. It's, but there was always something that on the eve of them coming into ministry, they would make a serious mistake about their life. That would hinder them. Now, I'm being very open with you. That pattern tends to repeat itself. And if you're aware of it, you need to learn to work so hard that it doesn't happen with you. Because, if That pattern is not broken. It's going to dog the whole family. So here's my point. Thankfully, I was made aware, sensitized, and by God's grace, one had to do something and make sure they don't fall victim to that. Now, here's my point. Therefore, you'll understand why there is this area where Satan is really coming against you with everything. I tell you, he's hitting you left, right, and center. I'll tell you why. Because in that same area, your parents failed, your grandparents failed, your great-great-parents failed, because Satan is using that to hold your generation hostage in realizing the fullness of what God wants to do through them. So if you are the first one to try and turn things around, all hell is going to break loose. Because all the demonic powers, all the powers of darkness and all the plans that Satan has been scheming and planning for many generations, all of them are going to converge on you. Because if you can succeed, you are changing the genetic coding. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying if you can hold on, if you can succeed, you are changing the genetic coding in your family. Your family will never be dogged by that anymore because it begins with you. So when you read in the Bible about people like Josiah, Who didn't come from a good family. Not good background, but this young man decided he's going to do what was different from his father and his grandfather. That's not easy. Because all those demonic hosts, all those things are going to come on you. So now you know why Satan is putting so much pressure on you. Now you know why you have to say I'm not moving at all, I'm standing here. Oh, because the next generation depends on me. Can I hear an amen? The next generation is depending on me. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to grit my teeth and move on. I'm going to hold on and do what is right no matter what comes my way. Because God is trying to change the genetic coding of things going the wrong way. So now you'll understand why you are being attacked the way you are being attacked. It puts your battle into perspective now. You know why people don't like you? You know why they hate you? You know why they talk against you? You know why from nowhere the devil attacks you? You know why it looks like nothing is working in your life? Now you understand why. You've prayed so much but you don't see any results. Now you know why. You see other people overtaking you. Things working for them but they're not working for you. Even if you are more committed and you're praying more, now you know why. But now because you know why, you've got to stand strong. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Let me conclude, Basalon. Number, number five. As first generation, you got to leave behind a legacy. What does it mean? Understand you don't live for you. You are not living for you. You know, if you can be conscious of that, before you do something, you ask yourself, how is this going to affect my children? If I do this, how is this going to affect the coming generation? I ask myself all the time if I hear this as how is it going to affect the church? How is it going to affect. You see that, but the world says, no, don't care about them. Think about you. It's your life. It's your life. Just think about you. God says, uh ah, ah. you are connected to other generations. And this is my prayer for you. That God will grant you the grace. In fact, tonight, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to pray for one another. Different areas. Number one. If you are able to, you don't have to be graphic, you don't have to be detailed. You don't have to say it in such a way that we did embarrass you. But if there's an area you realize, you know what? There's this virus in my family lineage that seems not to be going away. But tonight, in prayer, we're going to deal with it. Yeah. Comrades, decisively, we're going to deal with it decisively. Yeah. This theme, I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to unleash the powers of heaven and unleash the name of Jesus on this thing and break it. That's the first thing. Pray with someone in line with that. The second thing, you may be feeling a bit battle-fatigued. Because when you're first generation, it looks like there are certain battles that don't end. Or when one ends, another one starts. And sometimes you... You want to get to a point where you are not fighting anymore. You know, uh, B- Bishop Chalo said something that, that just blew me away. I didn't realize it. He's talking about David. He said, it's like, it's like any time you read about David, he, he was always in battle. And the one time when he blew it is when he was not in battle, he was relaxing. <laughs> he took his pedal off fighting. Just on that day, he became vulnerable. Yeah when he comes in he hits hard eh? so maybe you're feeling a little fatigued now such that your faith is being shaken certain things you're starting to say "Ah, I don't think it will work because I've been praying just have someone stand in prayer with you and agree with you and then thirdly we're going to make some declarations by faith in the name of Jesus are you ready to pray Find two or three people and just begin to pray together. The first thing is that, as we said, talk to them about that area. That's a virus. Deal with it decisively in the name of Jesus and break it. Number two, pray with one another in those areas where you feel like you are battle fatigued and you're tired. And thirdly, we're going to do some declarations in a while. Begin to pray right now. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray all over the place. Begin to pray. Shall we stand on our feet, please? Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to make this powerful declaration as we hold hands together. We're going to make this powerful declaration together. Thank you, Jesus. Join hands with somebody, and let's say it together, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Thank, you for your word tonight, thank you for your word tonight. For helping me to understand. How you, work, how you work multi-generationally. Multi-generation. Now, I know. now I know what is at stake. What is at stake? The, entrance of your word the entrance of your word has brought light to me, me. and understanding. An understanding. Thank, you for the of your word. Thank you for the revelation of your word. Your word, your word. is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a light to my path. It is because of your word that wisdom comes to my life. And as I act on your word, I will see the fulfillment of what you have promised. And right now in the name of Jesus, I have taken a stand against the spiritual virus That's trying to infect my family. The work of the enemy that is trying to take my lineage in the wrong direction. I have made my declaration on behalf of my family, on behalf of my lineage. The works of the enemy, the works of the devil shall not prosper. In the name of Jesus. I take the authority. Of the name of Jesus. And I destroy. Every plan. Every scheme. Every work. Of the evil one. In the name of Jesus. I come against. What you have done. I stand against. Your work right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak destruction to your plans. In the name of Jesus, your plans fail right now. In the name of Jesus, let what God has destined for my family, for my lineage, let it prosper. Let it succeed in the name of Jesus. I declare it so, no weapon formed against me, no weapon formed against my family, no weapon formed against my lineage will prosper when you come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against you, I speak against your works in the name of jesus i speak against your plans let them crumble let them fail in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name and heavenly father i thank you for your power that fills me to overflowing and raises me from a spirit of discouragement i will not be discouraged I will not give up. I will not throw in the towel. I will not walk away from the battle. Greater is he. That is in me. Than he that is in the world. I can do all things. Through Christ. Who strengthens me. You O God. You have made me. To be more than a conqueror. Through Christ Jesus. Thank you that your Holy Spirit raises me up lifts me up makes me strong i will not be discouraged i will not give up i will not give in i will not yield any ground i stand strong in the lord and in the power of his might. i'm advancing by the power of God, I'm advancing by the power of God, I'm moving forward by the power of God, I am picking up the weapons of my warfare, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds I pull down every stronghold I pull down every work of the enemy and I stand up strong powerful in the Lord in Jesus name and father today I make a declaration you have made me more than a conqueror and I stand strong and I stand strong And in my family line, there will be a manifestation of the works of God. Let your grace rest upon my generation. Let your mercy rest upon my lineage. Let your anointing rest upon my lineage. Let your power rest upon my lineage. May it be true. May it be fulfilled according to your purpose in my lineage in the name of jesus give the lord a big hand of praise if you believe that hallelujah give the lord a big hand in the name of jesus